Brought to you by Mountaineer fans, for Mountaineer fans, the Country Road Webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into Season 5, Episode 141 of the CRW Podcast, our Baylor Review and Reactions Edition. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz, and I got my co-host here with me. We've got Bradley. What's up, everybody? We're here to uh, talk about the victory over Baylor the Mountaineers come out on top, get back on the winning side of things, back to 500 on the season, keep Baylor winless in Morgantown, and secure their first conference win of 2022 as they now sit at 3-3 three and three overall in the season and 1-2 and two in Big 12 conference play through six games halfway through the 2022 season, Brad. I know me and you got a chance to talk about it on our instant reaction show immediately following the game we did there for the West Virginia channel at the voice of college football, but Mm -hmm. now here for the CRW podcast, a couple days later, a little bit more to think about it. What's kind of your opening thoughts, I guess, about this game, having had a few days to reflect on it now. Yeah. And I think more importantly is being able to see the rest of the big 12 play and getting to see, you know, the rest of the the college play on Saturday, Mm -hmm. um, get a little bit more perspective in there for where we're sitting at. And, uh, yeah, I think this win is huge for our program right now as it stands. You know, I think that um, you could definitely hear Neil Brown talking afterwards, and you could tell that he knows the brevity of this win and understands, you know, every week going forward it's probably going to be this way. If you win, it's going to be um, it's going to be good but not good enough, and if you lose, it's going to be damnable, you know. And it, it oh, sucks, yeah. but you kind of – it's the position you're in. Um, I'm really happy for Neil Brown to get that win. I'll say I really support him. I'm glad to see him get a win and um, definitely starting to see some more life in the fan base. So, you know, more people starting to get behind him. Um, yeah, that, that win against Baylor's big. And, you know, Neil Brown brought up the fact that, you know, we've won three out of the last four, which is important, but you've also only won three out of the last six, you know. So I, I think yeah. that you got to take that with a, with a great assault there. You know, it's easy to cherry pick, you know, when you, since you've been winning. But, um yeah, really big win. And so we were able to kind of run against Baylor, which we were worried about. Ika really didn't get to play that much, and I think that that's important. Got a couple injuries that probably swung in our favor. But overall, man, we went out there and we scored more points than they did. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one thing that finally, like you said, West Virginia had a few breaks go their way this game. And it seemed like in the first five games, West Virginia could never get any breaks. So I guess they were really due, and they had several in this game. As you mentioned, you know, uh, starting quarterback for Baylor Bears, Blake Shapin, uh, going out with a concussion when he was having a career day. Um, Andrew Wilson-Lamp with the targeting there as he was sliding down. Not really Wilson-Lamp's fault, really kind of unavoidable. But West Virginia be without Wilson-Lamp um, coming up against Texas Tech in the first half because of it. Hopefully Blake Shapin's all right and comes back for Baylor. But, you know, you got that break as well as, you know, some balls literally bouncing your way uh, when Shapin yeah. dropped the one that's scrambling out, literally bounced your way on that one. Uh, Preston Fox is bouncing back into his hand. Preston Fox is, you know, muffed punt, just coming right back to him. You know, there was definitely a few breaks the Mountaineers got, but they were they were overdue there, I think. So it was good to see. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think we owe, you know, maybe a, a modicum of apology to Reese Smith for praying for Preston Fox, <laughs> you know, or, or <laughs> yeah, we should be mad that Preston Fox can't catch the ball either. I don't know. But um, I don't know if it's just yeah. a curse right now or if it's in their hands. So we wanted to see back there. I don't know what it, it didn't work out the way we thought it would. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and he had done a good job up to that point. So I don't know. I guess maybe they'll, I'm sure they'll stick with him because, you know, they gave Reese a couple chances or so. So I'm sure they'll, hopefully, maybe it's just an aberration. He doesn't let that happen again. Fingers crossed because got to have somebody that can catch those punts. But, you know, one thing that I did want to mention that I, I thought was kind of interesting, I, I realized in the past, you know, few days since the game is one thing that we talked about was improvement under Neil Brown, like what could we say that it's improved and we were having trouble identifying, you know, certain areas. But one thing I think specifically when you talk about this Baylor game does show some improvement because look back last season, 2021, when West Virginia played Baylor, they were two and three last season as well. Just as West Virginia was two and three playing Baylor going into this season. And last season that two and three West Virginia team was manhandled by Baylor uh, was only able to manage 360 yards of total offense, was held under 100 yards rushing, only managed 90 yards. Fast forward to this year, 2022, West Virginia's 2-3 and three going up against Baylor again, and this time the Mountaineers, instead of only managing 20 points, managed to score over 40 themselves, scoring 43 on the Bears, and then 500 yards of total offense improved that by – 150 plus yards and then over 200 yards of rushing. So I think, you know, we're, we've been hard on this staff and stuff. Uh, we've been hard on Matt Moore. We've been hard on Neil Brown, but I think it against Baylor, they showed that they are improving some things. I think. Absolutely. And I mean, one name that we <clears throat> oftentimes, you know, forget is Chad Scott. Chad Scott has had a good reputation of putting some quality running backs out, you know, People were really high on Letty Brown. Letty Brown deserves the respect that he gets. His pro day wasn't that impressive. You know, by all rights, Letty Brown was not an NFL running back, but people thought he was right. in our system. And so, you know, I think some of that points to Chad Scott and the way he prepares his guys. And, you know, Tony Mathis coming into the season was supposed to be our number one running back, has not cemented himself as so, but yet came out as the number two running back, maybe even the number three running back, and, you know, put up 140. You know, yeah. absolutely insane 160. numbers. 160, yeah. And so, you know, and then you got Justin Johnson right there in your swing, you know, whatever position you want to put him at. It's hard to label him first, second, third string right now. Oh, yeah. Still looking very impressive, you know, and some credit to Matt Moore, definitely getting his line in a better position. But 
our running backs have looked great under Chad Scott, and I think that he deserves a lot of credit for that going forward, and I don't think we mentioned his name enough. Yeah, well, they mentioned, you know, before that they thought that Tony Mathis this season seemed like he was trying to force it. He was pressing too much, and they thought maybe he felt pressured because, you know, Justin Johnson was having a good camp, C.J. Donaldson was having a good camp, and they performed well in those first games. So I think maybe without C.J. Donaldson, you know, being able to play in this game that Tony Mathis probably felt relieved of a little pressure that he's felt early in the season because he knows it's him and Justin Johnson no matter what he's, you know, going to get carries. He's not going to have to worry about getting pulled and, you know, someone outperforming him. So maybe that, you know, having that kind of weight off his shoulders, we saw Tony Mathis play free and, you know, not feel pressured and stuff and be pressing like they said he has been, you know, throughout the season. So hopefully that's, you know, the Tony Mathis will continue to see through the rest of the season because if you get that and get C.J. Donaldson back and Justin Johnson's playing the best of his career right now as well, you know, since probably about the Virginia Tech game on, you know, that touchdown run he had was impressive. It looked like he was shot out of a cannon on that draw play. I think the Mountaineers may have found something with this run game because I don't know if – I think that for the most part the toughest run defenses you'll see are kind of behind you. Yeah, Absolutely. And, you know, going back to Tony Mathis just for a beat, you know, I've still been pretty high on Tony Mathis all year. I think I had brought up a few podcasts ago, you know, that Tony Mathis has not looked bad. He had one fumble. Outside of that fumble, he's he's looked good. And I think that it's just the fact that he's been standing beside C.J. Donaldson, which came out as a complete unknown. That's kind of overshadowed the fact that Tony Mathis has been reputable up to this point. You know, He, he was not shirking his duties whatsoever. You know, he just looked different. He looked a little bit quicker, a little bit speedier rather than determined, and that comes down to a lot of what you were just bringing up, you know, probably thinking too much, trying to make too much. And, you know, I wouldn't mind trying to see what kind of hands Tony Mathis has because he just looks like an athlete out there. He looks shifty. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind trying to see him get a few more catches in there because I think that if you get him out in space, I think that he can make a lot of people miss. And so I think that's just like an extra dynamic that we could really benefit from uh, going forward. Yeah. I'd agree. I'd like to see that as well. Um, speaking of uh, people catching passes that's unexpected, how about Garrett Green getting in, getting two or three snaps? And, you know, that one he caught the pass from JT Daniels came out uh, from the running back spot into the slot, ran a quick out, caught the pass. And then his other two snaps, he lined up a quarterback with JT Daniels out at receiver. And hopefully they're setting up uh, something for the future there. Yeah, I think that the key word is hoping. We're hoping that they're setting something up. It sucks that, you know, the the standard here has been that we might not see that again for the rest of the season, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I think that that's yeah, one where – I think that's one of those things where um, – because I'm sure you and I will talk about it some more, just getting into it, because the conversation is still no Brown and his job and what mm-hmm. we're looking at and trying to digest really how we feel about it. And so one of the big gripes about no Brown, you know, just get to the fine points of no Brown, the things that we would like to see change – is things like that is looking at the fact that you've been setting this up. You've got the opportunity. You got the possibility of doing something like that. You've shown it and you've shown it in years past, but you've never acted on it. You know, you've never been willing to kind of just make that ballsy call and, you know, just really let one hang loose, just try something funky, do something different, change people out. And so it's one of those things like going forward, if we're still trying to keep this guy for the next year, it's one of those progressions you want to see is I hope he acts on that. I hope that we get a little trick play in there somewhere with Garrett Green getting something funky. And, you know, and maybe we have tried it and I've just forgotten it, but that means it probably went bad, you know? So right. I would like, you know, I would like a funky one to go right for once. That way I can oh, be like, oh, you remember that time that we 
threw it to Garrett Green, and he slung it 60 yards down the field to Bryce Ford-Wheaton, and it was just crazy. Or vice versa. He throw, Garrett Green takes a snap, throw it to JT, then you sneak Garrett up the field, double pass back to Garrett Green. I mean, the possibilities okay, are endless, okay. so hopefully <laughs> there's on? something going on there. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you, so you, can be, you can do something crazy. West Virginia yeah, seems to always get hit with the trick play. So. Yeah, pull Texas, put Hudson Card out, and well, they were putting Hudson Card out this wide receiver spot and letting him, you know, just be out there yeah. just as a threat. Yeah, I think Garrett Green's a guy that he could help you. And, you know, I mentioned that, you know, with Scotty Swingler that covers the Bears on my interview with him prior to the game that I thought with C.J. Donaldson out, if we're going to see Garrett Green again, you know, for the Mountaineers this season, I felt, thought it would be against Baylor, and we did see him get – Three snaps there, you know, mixed results, but who knows if we'll continue to see him in the future. We'll see how that plays out. But, you know, we've talked about the mountain run game a little bit. What about the passing game? Um, you know, just kind of get your thoughts on that. I thought that the receivers, you know, definitely were, looked much improved from what they put on against Texas. They really made some tough catches. I know Reese Smith went up and got one. Bryce Ford Wheaton went up and got one. Sam James had a couple good grabs. And then, of course, career day from Caden Prather. Uh, JT Daniels, I thought all all good things minus, you know, the one interception, which we can talk about that as well if you want. But just kind of your overall thoughts on the passing game and what they showed against Baylor to uh, pull off this victory. Yeah, I mean, I saw what we expected from our passing game. Maybe not as many big plays as what we would still like. It was still a lot of pick and pops hitting Caden Prather. A lot of his a lot of his yards came in the 10 yard variety, you know, Mm -hmm. and if if it works, it works, you know, run with it. Um, Sam James kind of catching some wind right now. You know, he had a little bit of drop season against Texas, but he still played the best this year against Texas for yeah. Sam James. And bounced back good this week. But, yeah, but he's coming along, right? Bouncing back. That's really big. He had two consistent weeks, which I think is something, you know, I'm probably going to harp on more going forward is just consistency. I know I bring that up a lot going into Texas Tech is can we keep what we've seen consistent? Right. Um, but, yeah, passing game, I thought that was probably – um, our best performance by our wide receivers probably in a couple years. I mean, realistically, as a whole squad, you know, not just one man carrying the torch or two guys, you know, um, putting the team on their back, but it was a full full team effort, you know, and I think that that's something that we've really been lacking and something that we could definitely use a lot more of. Even Preston Fox got a, a catch or two in there, I think. So yep. um, definitely spreading it out. I like to see, you know, Cortez Braham and Jeremiah Aaron more out there, just letting them, you know, Keep legs fresh. Um, I will go to the JT Daniels interception and gripe about it a little bit because JT's got to learn that sometimes he's got to pull that thing down and run it. You know, you got that time. You got the the third down and three uh, pass to Michael Laughlin last week against Texas or week before last against Texas when you could have brought that ball down and just got those yardage guaranteed running. I don't know if he's scared, you know, of just like putting himself out there like that or what, but he's got elite arm talent. It's almost like, you know, the opposite of Garrett Green. You know, he's going to try to rely on that arm talent too much, and I think that that's why he threw that interception. It's, you know, um, that's pro- that is the worst thing he could have done. You know, he could have he could have thrown it out of bounds. That would have been fine. He could have chucked it at the ground, got an intentional grounding, would have been fine. He could have taken a sack for all I cared anything but what he did. And it was a bad interception. I mean, it was really bad. He didn't see, you know, trying to do the rollout. His rollout packages have not looked that great. And, you know, going forward, like JT Daniels has really got to learn to tuck that ball and, you know, take a yard, take two yards, do something. But he can't – I feel like he's tried to make that throw a couple times now. And, you know, the other ones have definitely fallen flat, haven't really, you know. uh, I can think of one rollout pass that kind of 
that he threw to Michael Laughlin earlier in the year. That's about it, man. When he gets outside of the pocket, I don't think his throws have been that great. And, you know, sometimes I think that it would be more dynamic if he tucked it and ran and tried to pick up a couple yards there and would actually show better on him. So um, that's my one gripe for JT Daniels so far. It's just, you know, once he gets out of that pocket, man, he looks sketch. He looks us the best. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about that, him struggling on the on the rollout plays once he gets outside the pocket. So we'll see if they continue to, to do that or if they, you know, cut back on that. And, when, and if he continues to struggle on that, that's definitely something to watch out for as the season continues. But, you know, a lot of people really criticize the play call there, just calling the pass, the play action pass on first down. Um, I think maybe if Washington doesn't get the false start penalty, because it was actually on first and 15, you know, they, mm-hmm. yeah, they got the false start. And so it was first and 15. Maybe if it's first and 10, they 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 run that ball. But the one reason I said that I, you know, couldn't criticize it too much is because throughout that game, West Virginia had kind of broken their tendency that they'd shown throughout most of the season to run on first down. And they'd been passing the ball a lot on first down against Baylor. And it had been giving them, you know, good success throughout the game. And they were staying ahead of the chains. So if it's not broke, don't fix it type deal to me. You know, I know you're trying to run the clock out there. There was only like three minutes left. But, you know, if you can get a good chunk of yards there, on first down, that was going to help you a lot, and they had been doing that through the past game, and you were going to need a first down or two for Baylor to, uh, you know, be able to waste those timeouts. So I'm not too bad about the play call. It's, you know, that that decision to throw it by JT like you talked about. You know, I think sit, just got to be more aware situationally there, and you expect him to to be more aware there to just, you know, throw it, throw it away or run it, get a couple yards, get what you can, you know, when you're trying to run the clock out like that. I think what he saw was the linebacker had his back towards JT Daniels, so I don't think JT thought that he knew that he was going to throw the ball and thought he could squeeze it in, but the linebacker turned around, you know, at the perfect time, and it was right to him. So, you know, ill-advised by JT and kind of a bad decision there. But other than that, you know, like we said, the passing game looked improved and West Virginia made the plays that they needed to make uh, that we knew they would need to because we thought they would have – you know, struggled to run the ball against Baylor. But, of course, they surprised and were able to do that, too, to the tune of over 200 yards and an awesome day offensively, over 500 yards of offense. So, you know, that's a little bit on the positive side. You know, Mountaineers come out with the win, 43-40. to 40. But we got to flip it over and talk about the other side of the ball, and it's not going to be as positive of a discussion. And I think everyone can see why when you watch the product on the field, especially secondary-wise. And the worst part about that is as bad as West Virginia has – struggled in the secondary the injuries are mounting up there you know we saw a lot of people go down in this game Malachi Ruffin who they'd wanted to transition to safety had to come back and play corner for the Mountaineers towards the end of that game Uh, like I said Wilson Lamb's going to be out McCormick's hurt not sure of his status yet Charles Woods probably you know more more likely than not not going to play against Texas Tech as well so you know you may go into this game with Rashad Ajayi, Mumu, Malachi Ruffin and Spells, and that might be all you got at corner right now um, heading into play uh, Texas Tech. But, you know, that's for another discussion. Talking more specifically about the Baylor game and what you saw from this Mountaineer defense, let's specifically focus on kind of the passing defense in the secondary first because I think that's the point of contention. So what are your thoughts there with what you saw in this game against Baylor, Brad? Yeah, I think that this is where <clears> – <throat> You know, a lot of the earlier frustrations, now that we're six games in and we've got a bit more data points, more game footage to watch, more stuff to look at. You know, it was tough in the earlier part of the season, feeling like the whole team's undisciplined, but it feels like the offense has kind of gotten their act together. The offensive line has kind of showed up. They've been way, way more improved, even at the right tackle position. You know, they the wide receivers have had 
two good weeks, you know, have shown uh, more consistency, have gotten better. It's like when you look at the defensive side, though, man, it's just it's just so undisciplined. And I, I couldn't help but see, you know, guys turning their heads and talking to other guys when the ball's being snapped. And, you know, when the ball is snapped, you've got guys running around, you know, looking like chickens with their heads cut off. And I mean, and I, I mean that literally guys running around. Where am I going? I, I literally yeah. saw this motion at one point in time. And that's never something you want to see. <laughs> that's not D- something you want to. Yeah. Not for at your all. DBs, you know. And, you know, you got guys getting over late in the plays. And, you know, that's something that's not – that has nothing to do with athleticism. That has nothing to do with talent. That has everything to do with – I want to say, like, repetition and, like, not not inexperience, you know, and undisciplined. And I, I want to – so I think that that's the two things. Either they're really just, like, undisciplined or they're inexperienced. And I want to hang my hat on inexperience, but you're six games in now. Mm-hmm. And you've still got guys that don't know what they're doing. And the young guys, you can kind of forgive it. But even then, you guys were second string going into this. I can't help but think that you, you know, you weren't just sitting on the sidelines doing nothing, you know, all spring and fall ball, summer too, you know. You guys have gotten looks at this. You guys have been in the system, most of you, for six months now at least. You shouldn't be having the kind of difficulty that you're having back there even being new into the system at least not in my mind i've never had to do it i'm not a coach i'm not a player but i i think that that's just there's something there and it rubs me the wrong way and i think that you know i think that that now is definitely where a lot of my frustrations lie yeah i'd 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 agree with you there i think and it's the little things really that they're you know messing up on we've heard jordan leslie and neil brown both speak about it it's it's not that they don't know what to do. They don't know the plays, you know. It's that they're just the little tiniest fundamentals. Like, if they're supposed to be on inside leverage and they're supposed to be lined up on a guy's left eye and they're lined up on the outside and the right mm-hmm. eye and then that man beats him inside. You know, just small things like that. And and if you're not improving on that, like you said, six games in, then it's like, when are you going to do it? And then the other side of that coin, of course, is the inexperience that you talked about. And I think – that rears its head at times as well when you see guys like Jacoby Spells, who we know are going to be good players, really talented, but just a second late on a play, like, you know, the yeah. touchdown to Baylor at the goal line. He's right there on his back, you know, but it's just those lumps you're going to take when you're having to play a true freshman there at that position. And then, you know, you take the good with the bad. You know, you get a pick six against Virginia Tech, and then this game you give up, you know, 200-plus to Gavin Holmes. And that's just the way it is when you have the experience that West Virginia has on the back end. And, at this point, we have a sample game, you know, a sample size of six games halfway through the season. It kind of is what it is right now. And I think that's why you kind of hear Neil Brown keep repeating the phrase, the pieces are the pieces, because he's kind of alluding to the fact of this is who we got. This is just kind of what it is. And we uh, got to What try else do you expect me to do, man? Yeah, we got to work around it. That's the only thing that they can do is try and find ways to win in spite of that, it seems. So, you know, we'll keep talking about it and hopefully keep hoping it improves. But, West Virginia secondary and pass defense seems to kind of be what it is, but we'll see what happens moving forward. But, you know, the bright spot of the run defense, of course, is the defensive line. Uh, Dante Stills, great game in this one, gets a tackle for a loss, ties the career record at West Virginia. We'll see him break that at some point this season and become the all-time tackle for loss leader for the Mountaineers passing Grant Wiley. But what did you think, what you saw from the West Virginia run defense in this one and, you know, the things they did to stop that 
Baylor power run game, that outside zone that really hurt them last year. I thought they contained it a lot better this season. Baylor, you know, made their plays here and there. But for the most part, I thought the run de- run defense was pretty strong. What about you? Yeah, and I think Dante's an absolute athlete. You know, he he does what he does. He did what he does, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I've given him a little bit of knock every now and then about just not performing every game. It feels like he might not show up exactly for every game. And, you know, that's a lot for me to loft on one kid that kind of has to carry, you know, uh, a huge mantle of West Virginia defense on his back and, you know, I really love Dante. So I really appreciate everything he's done for our program, really making his name, um, you know, a permanent fixture of Mountaineer uh, lower going forward. Um, when it comes to the run defense, though, I think that a big part of it is really building up our big bodies down in the center, something that we haven't had yep. for a long time, man. You know, Jordan Jefferson is just an absolute stud. I Every time I look at him, I think that he's probably – He's a beast. God, man, just the way he manhandles some guys. I've never seen a lineman get tossed so many times by a guy before. And it seems like every game, it doesn't matter who he's up against. Jordan Jefferson's checking a guy and then he's tossing him. You know, it, it's absolutely insane to watch him play. And so I think the him and the addition of Mike Lockhart, I think having another just like big body down there to soak up the pressure when Jordan Jefferson's not in there just really doesn't give offenses any relief. And, you know, when I, I'm not too sure what year Mike Lockhart's in, I think that he's got another year, especially with COVID. Oh, I think he's only going. a sophomore or junior, one of the two. So yeah, 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 especially with, you know, uh, extra years of eligibility because of COVID. But, you know, we've talked about Pitt, Texas, Baylor, teams like this. You know, it's like, oh, man, they're two or three bodies, big bodies deep, and, you know, they're just tough to deal with. You never get a break with them. That's going to be us next year, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to have a lot of talent returning. You know, even though Dante Steeles won't be here, he'll be making his paycheck on Sunday. We're still going to have a lot of deep talent on that uh, defensive line. And I would even – and I'm going to keep saying it. I would even gamble that we haven't seen all that we've got on that end I of the ball say. yet. So I'm telling you, I, he keeps on bringing up Asani Redwood. And I, I think that his day is coming. It's I'm pretty time. sure – I'll say, yeah, I'm pretty sure unless they have changed the red shirt rules – because it's not just the first four games, right? It's any four games. Any, yeah, I've heard people, just four. I've heard people referencing the first four games. I think that they've just been wrong, but I've always been no, second-guessing myself. Yeah, it's just up to four, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's where we're saving Asani Redwood. I think that he's definitely trying to keep him preparing him, preparing him, preparing him, put him in the last four games of the year, let him run, you know, maybe the last three games of the year, save yourself for a bowl game if you get close to it. Um, you know, if you're not going to hit that moment, you might put him in sooner just to – see but his time's coming that guy's going to be coming you guys are going to i guaranteed you he's going to make a play or two this year um and start building keep that depth building and you know next year i think that we're going to be in the exact same spot where we're like man this defensive line is just incredibly talented yeah i'd agree with you i was gonna i was gonna even say that that you know some of these guys we haven't even seen yet are going to be really good and specifically redwood was kind of the one Coming to mind for me as well. Yeah, guys like Justin Bitten and uh, Bitten. you know get into you know a little bit of James recruiting Heard. news. James Hurd, five and four and a half, five and a half sacks in his last game. Justin oh, yeah. Bitten has just been eating people alive every game. Future looks bright. He's going to be. Just, we got to we got to get there, man. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, just got to keep 
keep building it. And I think that that's one thing that you can say for this coaching staff they've done is they've done a great job building up the trenches. You know, West Virginia's offensive line, much maligned past few seasons. This season has been, you know, the strong point of that offensive unit, I would say. And, you know, you were talking about Jordan Jefferson throwing people around. And I know we're kind of talking about the defense now, but that made me, you know, we got to shout out Zach Frazier for his performance in this one. I know Siaki Ika was out for a portion of this game, but he was in for a large portion of it and even came back following his injury. But Zach Frazier handled that man, and it was one-on-one he blocks did. too. Like I said, I saw him, and I, I'll never forget it. I'm pretty sure – and I'm pretty sure it was Ika too. But I saw Zach mm-hmm. Frazier pancake the guy, and it wasn't a good play. Like I don't think the play worked out well in our favor. But just watching Zach Frazier pancake him was just like – and uh, being a big guy myself, having played that position my whole life when I was, you know, elementary, middle, high school – that's what you love to see, you know, pancaking. Right. Usually I was, you know, the defensive guy. But, you know, love seeing the offensive guys get the pancakes, especially when it's on our team. And there was also another play where I saw him scoot to the second level. Again, I don't think the play was good. I think that, you know, it was still a negative play. But I remember watching him snap the ball, and Zach Frazier was on the linebacker in the blink of an eye. I was like, good Lord, that man can scoot. He's having a hell of a year. He He's really got is. some Gideon is uh, up. Yeah, he's he's on his way to not only, you know, an excellent season this year, but he's going to have a heck of a career, you know, throughout his time at West Virginia. So, but, you know, specifically, you know, getting back to the defense a little bit, I thought some standout performances from Aubrey Burks, you know, forced to fumble, get an interception, Jasir Cox, two fumble recoveries. Um, you know, overall, the Mountaineer defense, you know, like we said, lackluster performance in the pass and defense game. But the one thing they did in this game that they haven't done throughout the season that I think can be kind of something that makes up further deficiencies there is forced turnovers. If they can continue to do that, they're going to give themselves fighting chances in these games because they may not be able to stop any of these other teams, but they can force them, you know, into some turnovers to get the ball back to the Mountaineer offense. Who knows what can happen, but sorry, it makes you feel like special teams is going to be crucial too. And I feel good with our special teams right now. You know, Anthony Del Negro is still like he got a tackle on a kickoff return yeah. this weekend. I, I was about to say sure. that was uh that was in the fourth quarter too, I think, after West Virginia had took taken a lead. And um if he doesn't make he that looked tackle, like he was that gonna kick, break one, that yeah. kick was gonna go. Yeah. That's it was a big big tackle. I noticed that when I was rewatching the game. I was like, because he had nothing but green grass and Del Negro was the last one there to get him. So he yeah, I remember thinking that because all over. The 47 also stands out to me because that was my number all the way up until high school. And so, you know, I love seeing Anthony Del Negro, you know, make use of it. Um, yeah, and I noticed that too. I was like, man, this kick's going. I was like, this is scary. And then, you know, number 47 comes out of nowhere and puts him down. Big standout for the Mountaineers, you know, recruited specifically for special teams, and he's made plays there all season. And I think the biggest play of this game arguably came on special teams with the extra point blocked by Dante Stills, ran back by Jacoby Spells to give give the Mountaineers two points because I think at that point, you know, Baylor and West Virginia were back and forth. Baylor was going to kick the extra point to go up 38-31, and then, you know, West Virginia would have had a chance to tie. But with the blocked extra point, that gave the Mountaineers, you know, two points because they ran it back. Then that allowed the Mountaineers the opportunity to score a go-ahead touchdown instead of going back and forth with Baylor. So really big play in the game, I think, and – can't say enough about Dante Steele's and, and what he did to make that one. Yeah, absolutely. I said that was a tough gap to squeeze through, but yeah, he, he did it. Got that big mid up there and knocked her down. Oh, yeah. Special teams been a bright spot this season, specifically the blocking teams. You know, punt block, they've 
Del Negro's tipped one, you know, Donaldson got the block when Del Negro blew up the wedge against a pit and then now an extra point block as well. And then if the extra point block isn't the biggest special teams play of the game, then it's probably got to be the game-winning field goal by Casey Legg. And when we're talking about how good West Virginia special teams has been this season, you can't fail to mention him. Perfect on extra points, perfect on field goals now. Tina Tina has a game winner to his credit uh, to give the Mountaineers the 43-40 win in this one. Absolutely. The leg has been dominant. The yeah. leg has definitely been showing out. Yeah, I mean, he keeps it up. He's going to be on that uh, Lou Groza finalist list at the end of the season. And I hope he hope he is. You know, he's playing like a Big 12 uh, first-teamer and potential All-American candidate at kicker. So hopefully we didn't just jinx him talking about it. But uh, moving forward, I think he'll continue to do good uh, for the yeah, Mountaineers. West Virginia native there. Talk about West yeah, Virginia exactly. boys really showing up this year, man. They're really, really setting are. the tone. You know, Sean Martin, Dante Seals, Casey Legg. Zach Frazier. And the, Zach Frazier. Yeah. You love Doug, Nestor, Doug Nestor has looked great. He has. He's having a great year as well. Yep, I'd agree. The Mountaineer natives, you know, think it means a little more to them, and that's why I always like being able to get them on the roster. And, you know, this is some of the most that I've seen West Virginia have, you know, specifically in the starting lineup, and those players are really performing well. So definitely got to shout Fox that out what's happening. Yep. Yeah. Preston Fox finally gets in in this one. And I was kind of interested about that because um, it had always been this year Cortez Braham spelling Bryce Ford Wheaton, but it was Preston Fox this game. And I don't know if we saw Braham suit up, play any. So I don't know if maybe he's a little banged up or if Preston Fox has surpassed him. I don't know. It's something to keep an eye on moving forward, I guess. Could have just been the could have just been the play design, you know? Yeah. Put a guy yeah, out maybe there just that wanted they don't to get Fox out there finally, you know. yeah. Yeah, they which I was glad to see. Yeah, yeah. I hope they keep playing them. Hope they do. Yeah, Um, definitely, definitely. So that being said, we'll get into some final thoughts momentarily here before we get ready to close out season five, episode one forty one of the CRW podcast. Here, appreciate everyone that's tuning in to our Baylor review and reactions edition. Here, if you're on the video side, whether you're watching on our YouTube channel here or the WV Sports Now YouTube channel, as we are a part of the WV Sports Now podcast net network there on the sports now family of networks do us a favor while you're in here hit that like button give us the thumbs up that'll help this video's performance and help future videos performances as well and if you're on either of those channels and you haven't already hit the subscribe button if you're a west virginia fan helps us helps you helps get more of this mountaineer football content out to mountaineer nation and if you're listening on the audio side, we are available on any preferred podcast platform, all of the major ones. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor while you're there. Leave us a rating. That really helps us in that aspect. I appreciate you guys tuning in, whether you're on the video side here on YouTube or you're listening on the audio side on any podcast platform here. But before we get ready to close out this final episode, Brad, any final thoughts on the Mountaineers, you know, getting back on the winning track against Baylor to get to three and three on the season back to 500 or the season at large moving forward, just anything, you know, WV football related here you want to touch on as our final thoughts here. Yeah. I'm trying to make more of a habit here of uh, double checking myself and keeping myself consistent going forward. Um, I, I'm going to restate that. I think that, you know, Baylor was not a great team. I think they're probably the third worst team that we've played all year, but we beat them. And that's, that's important. And so uh, going forward, you know, you can only get better from, you know, the next team's right there with them, beat them too. You just got to keep making that next step. In my opinion, uh, you know, it's, it's one week after another, you got a chance to win them all. You got a chance to lose them all. So it's all up to what you wanted to do um, and, and about the mentality and about how we go about it. So, 
Uh, it's about where I feel good win against Baylor. Uh, let's go get another one against Texas Tech. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Let's you know build some momentum and try and get rolling a little bit here. But I think to me, you know, my final thought. You know, I've said it before. Uh, you know, I mentioned I don't know if it was on the reaction show or if it was on the Cruise Film Reviews, but whatever I mentioned it on, I'll mention it again. That one of the best things to come out of this game, I think, for the team, for the coaching staff, and for Mountaineer Nation, for the fan base that we all have now moving forward, is a little bit of hope. And hope can be a powerful thing, and hopefully it continues to allow West Virginia to find ways to win moving forward as they found a way to win in this game against Baylor. That being said, as far as us here on the Country Roads webcast, we'll have plenty of content coming. Of course, Season 5, Episode 142, we will preview and predict the upcoming game against the Texas Tech Red Raiders in Lubbock in the seventh game of the 2022 WVU football season. And then also in the meantime, if you're listening on the audio side and you're not on the video side like those watching here on YouTube, come hop over to our YouTube channel there, Country Roads webcast on YouTube, just like it is on the podcast side here. We have plenty of exclusive content that'll uh, keep your thirst quenched, your Mountaineer content thirst quenched throughout the week. If the podcast alone episodes, you know, the couple of those a week don't do it for you. We also have cruise film reviews when I can get to it for games. I try and do the weekly player grades, recruiting updates, uh, basketball stuff's about to kick up. We're going to have some exclusive content there on the YouTube side for that as well. So plenty of uh, Mountaineer football content for you to get from us here at the Country Roads webcast um, now and moving forward throughout football and basketball season. So if you're on the audio side, come over to the video side get some more exclusive content, and subscribe to us there as well. That being said, we really appreciate you tuning in any way that you do, whether it be on the audio side or the video side for Season 5, Episode 141 here of the CRW Podcast, our Baylor Review and Reactions edition. That being said, as always, I'm Jordan Cruz. And for Bradley, until next time, let's go. If you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those...